Well, all of us know that we are living in a time when many decisions are being made for us. Where we can go and cannot go, what we can and cannot do. All around us, we are finding ourselves up against new limitations and new restrictions that we have never seen before. Along with that, I'm not sure about you, but for me in this season, it's kind of brought a, a sense of frustration, a little confusion, and a feeling, especially in those first few weeks, of, of kind of being stuck in neutral, not really going anywhere and not really sure where to go. And that feeling of one step forward and three steps back continues to be a reality for many still today. But the Bible is clear that even in a season where lots is being decided for us, we have some things that we must decide. And what better time to make a commitment to Jesus and for Jesus as we seek to honor Him no matter what comes our way. And in this series, we're starting this week, we even titled it, I Have Decided. We're going to talk about a few things that we want for you. We want you to make a decision about these things. In decision in this season to see what God wants to do in you with what God has given each of you. And a decision with what you must decide. So we have a few subjects coming up. One is I have decided to be a peacemaker. I've decided to, to choose hope. The third week we're going to talk about I've decided to be grateful. And then how I've decided to be generous. And today... We get to talk about something that I have decided on, and I'm inviting you to make a decision on this. If you already haven't, but as a follower of Jesus, many of you have, but maybe in this season you've just kind of been dormant. But I have decided in my life to be compelled by faith and not by fear. I've decided to be compelled by faith and not by fear. Legend has it that there was a man who was lost in the desert. He was just dying for a drink of water, and he stumbled upon an old shack, a ramshackled, windowless, roofless, weather-beaten old shack. And he looked about this place, and he found a little shade from the heat of the desert sun. And as he glanced around, he looked over in the distance, and he saw a pump about 15 feet away. It was an old, rusty water pump, and he, he stumbled over to it, and he, he grabbed the handle and began to pump up and down. And as he pumped, nothing came out. And he was so disappointed and he staggered back and he sat down. And then he looked over to the side and he noticed there was an old jug laying there. He grabbed it and he looked at it and he wiped away the dirt and the dust. And, and he read a message that said, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. P.S. Be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. And he popped the cork on, on that old jug that was sitting there. And sure enough, it was almost full of water. And then suddenly... And he was faced with a decision. If he drank the water, right in that moment, he could live. Oh, but if he poured out all the water in that old rusty pump, well, maybe, just maybe, it would yield fresh, cool water from down deep in the well. All the water he wanted and ever needed. And as he stood back, he studied the possibilities of both options, and thought to himself, what should I do? Should I pour it in the old pump and, and take a chance on fresh, cool water or or just drink what's in this old jug and ignore its message? Should he waste all the water on the hopes of those flimsy instructions written no telling how long ago? But reluctantly, he decided he would pour all the water into that pump. And that took great faith, being all the water that he had. And then he grabbed the handle and he began to pump. And it went squeak, squeak, 
and nothing came out and got a little bit nervous and he did it again and it just kept squeaking. And then all of a sudden it started to dribble out and there was a small stream and then it just finally started to gush. And his relief, there was fresh water poured from this rusty old pump and eagerly he filled the jug back up and he just drank for it. He filled it again another time and once again drank from what sprang forth from this well. And then he filled that jug once again for the next traveler. He filled it to the top and he popped that old cork back on it and he added this little note. And he just said, believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you can get anything back. But it really works. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, you made a decision at some point by faith to follow Jesus. But each and every day you must make a decision that you're going to live by faith and live out that faith in how you live your life. And last week we looked at Ephesians 4 where Paul says, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. And he reminded us that, that we are to walk in this way. We're to be completely humble and gentle. We should bear with one another in love. And out of this posture, he implored us to make every effort to be unified as his church. He says, hey church, I need you to rise above what everyone else is doing. And although it may feel like you're climbing uphill, I'm calling you out to set yourself apart. He said, I want you to be uncommon in your love, uncommon in your sacrifice, uncommon in your humility and your care, and uncommon in your courage. And so today, I, I want to prime that pump, that pump of faith. I want to remind you what was written thousands of years ago from Scripture and from Jesus Christ. And I'm going to invite you to make a decision to not let your circumstances decide how you're going to live, but let the faith in God and the faith that compels you how you're going to live. To be compelled to live by faith, not controlled by fear. Which brings us to Hebrews chapter 11, where we find just this gallery filled with the portraits of those men and women of faith who have gone before us. They are the heroes and the martyrs who made their mark on this world as their faith marked their life. And it's as if the writer had his, his Old Testament open as he searches throughout history to mark down their moments of faithful achievement and their patient endurance. And he goes from Abel to Cain to Enoch and Noah from Abraham along with Isaac and Jacob, from Joseph to Moses and down to Rahab. But it was the words he used after Enoch that struck me anew this week out of Hebrews chapter 11. The mark that distinguished Enoch was that he was a man that walked with God, but he was a man that was commended because he pleased God. And you ask, well, why did he please God? Because he was a man of great faith. And after those words were written about Enoch, the writer of Hebrews wrote this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. 6. I mean, if I ask you to raise your hands right now where you are, and I just ask, how many of you want to please God? Most of you would probably raise your hand. And if we want to please God, then we must know what biblical faith is and what biblical faith calls us to do. Well, in chapter 11, verse 1, the writer describes faith as this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it is assurance about what we do not see. Those who have gone before us are marked by their confidence and their assurance 
as well as their action, which showed their faith in God. And the writer here in Hebrews seems not to be as concerned with what faith is as really with what faith does. The people who call scripture, the scripture calls heroes, they were men and women of action. So let me go back and, and remind you just a few of their stories, hopefully to inspire you and challenge you in the faith you have, that today maybe it just needs to be primed just a little bit to put you into action, to remember and believe that your God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, God wants the world to know him. And if our faith isn't active, then the world cannot see him and will not come to know him. And God always, always works through the people who are looking to him and wanting to please him. Look at Moses in the Red Sea. Moses, by God's command, led his people to camp right beside the river. God knew he was going to divide the sea and lead his people through the parted waters to the promised land. And that's why he said this in Exodus 14, 4. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am Lord. God commanded Joshua to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River at flood stage. Well, why would he do that? None of us leaders knowingly would lead our people into a flood. But God says, here's why I did it. He said he did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God, Joshua 4, 24. Maybe you remember a vast army that came to make war against Israel and the Lord told King Jehoshaphat to proclaim a fast, told the people to seek the face of God. It's one of my favorite passages of all time. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The word of the Lord says this, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God said to them, don't be afraid. Don't worry, I got this and I've got you. All you need to do is position yourself for the battle and I'm going to fight for you and you will see the salvation of the Lord. So he told them to sit out the, send out the men and to sing at the front of the battle lines. So the men's chorus went out and I, I don't know what it was. It could have been their singing was so bad. I'm not sure what happened, but the vast army turned against each other. They de destroyed themselves before the battle even started. Man, that must have been some awful singing, but listen to what God's word said. He said this, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 29. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They chose to obey God rather than the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar. And this crazy king went to throw them into this blazing furnace because they would not bow down to any other God except the one and only true living God. And they said these faith-filled words. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, well, he's able to deliver us from it. And, how, and if he will deliver us from it in your majesty's hand, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And most of us know what happened there in the book of Daniel. Nothing happened. Not a single mark was found on these guys. And the king said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. 
Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Daniel 3 verse 28. Think about that. How awesome is our God. Henry Blackaby said these words, Our world is not attracted to the Christ we serve because they cannot see Him at work. They don't see anything happening that can only be explained in terms of the activity of God. Why? Because we are not attempting anything that only God can do. I've said it before, but if your vision is too small for you, then it's probably insulting to your God. If you can handle it, it might not be from Him. Because His vision and purpose for you matches who He is. Those things are God-sized. And in this season, you might feel inactive. And I just want to prime that pump and activate the faith that you have within you. Because you have a God who is faithful. You have a God who sits on the throne and is the same for all of those people of old. From Moses to Abraham to Jehoshaphat to Shadrach to Meshach and Abednego. And I want to remind you that it says without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here's what I know. What you believe will determine what you do. If you dare to believe and go after serving him with all of your life, scripture just said you will receive. Maybe not the answer you want, but you will receive the presence you don't even know you so desire. Maybe not the reward you thought this side of heaven, but your reward, God says it's guaranteed. And I believe when you go forth with action, God will act on your behalf. But you have to do something maybe you've never done before to see something you've never seen before. And although... Like I said earlier, many decisions are being made for you right now. You are the only one that can decide what you are going to do for God in this season. What you will choose to do will ultimately reveal what you believe about your God. See, I have decided to live my life compelled by faith and not by fear. How about you? There's a saying um, when people go into prison, and I hope I never have to experience prison. But these last few months, it felt sort of like a prison sentence. And in prison, they say, you can do the time or the time can do you. I think the same is true for all of us. This this, uh, lockdown is like a, a short prison sentence. And some of you are letting the time do you, control you, drive you into fear. And you have forgotten your faith or your call to live a faithful life. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you. One book I was reading said, this was the time for us to make the most of the time. To maybe go out and build a treehouse with our son. To cook lasagna with our daughters. Or as the actor Kevin Bacon said, that that he did a puzzle with his wife for the very first time ever. Again, you are doing the time, and those are simple things. But no matter what, you're doing the time. So what is going to come out of this time, and what is going to come out of you? Who you are in Christ. What you have decided about Christ and about yourself are being revealed right now. Are you doing the time or is the time doing you in? 
Are you just existing and waiting for all of this to be over and get back to normal? Let me just tell you, don't know when it's going back to normal. Don't know if it will. But God says, it's time to activate your faith. And let me just tell you, I believe it works. Just like that guy at the pump. Trust him. Believe in him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. So let me ask you just a question. First off, is your faith showing the world in whom you trust? I had the privilege of, a couple weeks ago showing, uh, going and being a part of a baptism, about 12 people. You're going to see some pictures of some baptism, a little video that's going on. But I love that in this season, this group which started and rooted, decided to become a life group, and then they decided to come together and to proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord. And as they proclaimed them as Lord, they got to go and be baptized. And they identified themselves with Jesus Christ. And what they said was, I'm dying to my old self as they went under the water. The old person is dead. And as they came up, they were revived. They were restored. They were resurrected into new life. And they made a claim on that day to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior. What's your life saying in these days? Who are you calling on? What does the world see? in whom you serve. Second thing, what calls are you answering these days? Are you answering the calls of faith? Are you picking up the calls of fear? There is much of which to be fearful in this dark and morbid world, no doubt. But I think the real pandemic is the panic and fear that is controlling the people of this world. I think that's spread further and faster than any COVID and I believe will be more deadly than COVID ever will be. There's just over 150,000 deaths, and that's a lot, and that's attributed to COVID. And we all know those all weren't probably just because of COVID, but 150,000 people lost their life. But I'm worried about how many more are paralyzed by fear. My number right now is probably in the millions, and that number will continue to grow and live on in many for the rest of their lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, may I be so bold to say to some of you that you have bought into the lie of the enemy and you are letting fear rule your life right now in this moment, even though you say you've chosen to live a life marked by faith. Because by definition, being a Christian is to walk by faith, not by sight. Your whole belief is based on a faith in God and the saving grace in His Son, Jesus Christ. You believe there is a place that has been prepared for you that is better than this crazy old earth. You just live like you live in the past and tomorrow is more important than the present and the future and you live like today and this earth is all you have and christ comes along and says hey can you take a step back what calls are you picking up today do you remember me i'm the god who is able to perform miracles i am the god who is the same yesterday today and forever i am the god whom you put your trust in i am the god who knows tomorrow will you trust me for that tomorrow at the beginning of this pandemic, I, I had to face a, a crisis of belief. I had to face a crisis of belief. Did I believe that the church was going to be stronger if we weren't meeting together? I had to have belief that God was going to see us through this pandemic. And yet all the enemy wanted me to believe was the lie. He wanted me to live in fear so that you would live in fear. He wanted me to be worried so that you might worry. 
And I began to have this crisis of belief and I had to go to God and say, God, I need to believe and I need to hear from you that, that you are going to see me through again. And you brought back to the scripture where it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I had to decide in those moments, was I going to be ruled by his faith or was I going to be ruled by my fear? And I was going to be the truth that the word of God gives me or was I going to listen to the lie that the enemy kept saying to me over and over and over again? The word crisis finds its origins in a word that means decision. That same Greek word is often translated for judgment. A lot of people have asked, what do you think about all of this? How are you, Matthew, personally handling this pandemic? Well, I haven't given you my personal opinion because I don't think it matters that much. But today I'm going to for what it's worth. And some of you won't like it, and that's okay. I think the way I see this lines up with how I'm supposed to live this life of faith that I've been called to, and I think it lines up with Scripture. A writer summed it up in a, in a book I've been reading better than I could, but it is how I feel, and he said this, the coronavirus is to the flu as school shootings are to shootings in the inner city. We're familiar with the flu. We have the knowledge that it's not likely to kill you unless you're old or infirm. And we've been hearing about it for a while. Same with inner-sitting shootings. We've been hearing about them since the 70s and got immune to it when, by pure numbers, human beings die more by gang-related violence in Chicago in one week than die in school shootings in a year. This pandemic exposed a major flaw in our society that I've longed to complain about, the author said. We literally can't do the math. All of our problems are fueled by feelings rather than facts. We have the data that we are ignoring, and those feelings are leading us to fear the very life we have been called to live and to live by faith. The news, the media, is complicit in this. It's their job to scare the you-know-what out of you. And in this case, they literally scared the you-know-what out of you so much so that our stores were completely sold out of toilet paper. People actually got in fistfights over Charmin. The paper goods section turned into a Jerry Springer show. If we look back in a few years at some of the clips that happened during this pandemic, we're going to think, what were we thinking? And what I would do personally is, I would get us back to living life instead of living in complete fear. But I don't get to make all those decisions. Because this life is not just about me. I'm called by the Word of God to love my neighbor as myself. And that means I must consider them and consider all of you and how I live and how we act as a church. When we come back together, and we will, when we meet, when we know we can for sure care for thousands of you in a way that puts you and your health as a priority, then we will come back together. When we are safe and when we believe that we can take care of you, we'll continue to ride the side of caution for those in our community and those who don't know Jesus yet that are watching us. I've never been asked by anyone or threatened by anyone to not share about Jesus Christ and His saving grace and His love. We as a church have never been stopped from sharing the good news and the hope and the love that He gives us. And I will not be controlled by fear and I will continue to be compelled by faith and live to have a life that portrays what I cannot see, but what I completely believe. I'm not made for this world, and I'm not living for it, that's for sure. So in this season, 
I have decided to live my life compelled by faith and not by fear. But only you can decide for you and what you will focus on. Will it be God and his faithfulness? Our fear that actually leads to hopelessness of what may or may not come tomorrow in a world that is not even your home. The third question is, are you attempting anything in your life that only God can do? Is there anything that's going on that you're like, man, that's just way too big for me, but you know it's the voice of God. Is there anything you're attempting? If you want a breakthrough, you actually have to break out. Blackaby said this, sight is the opposite of faith. If you can see clearly how something can be accomplished, more than likely faith is not required. I remember uh, when I became the pastor back in 2004, that I'm filming right now in our pavilion area, uh, in our building. And I remember coming out to that parking lot where we're, we're at the Yorba Linda campus. We're going to have a, a drive-in church this weekend. But I remember when this building was half built and there were lots of problems. And I remember just showing up and going, God, um, this is way too big. We had $14 million we needed to raise in 90 days. And many of you know that story. But I remember just praying, God, if this is going to be built you're going to have to show up. I came to be the senior pastor of this church because I wanted to be a part of a God story. I knew that becoming the pastor meant God was going to have to be bigger than anything I could do. And you know what the amazing thing is? Moment by moment, day by day, he just kept showing up and showing himself faithful. How about you? Is there anything so big that God's asked you to do that you can't do it on your own? He's just going to have to show up if it's going to be possible. Many times, the world isn't attracted to Jesus because they don't see Jesus working in us. If Christ is lifted up in your life, then that will bring life to those around you. James says it this way, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Listen, God isn't looking for you to just do a job or get something done. If he wants a job done, well, he's God. He can get it done anytime he wants. He is more interested in you experiencing him. He is way more interested in you changing and becoming the person he has created you to be. So when he comes with a God-sized assignment for you. He wants you to activate your faith and to step out and do what He has asked you to do. He doesn't worry about it getting done or what's next. He's worried about you believing in Him. Faith doesn't deliver the same result for everyone. The question is, will we obey Jesus no matter the outcome of our obedience? See, Jesus went to a cross and for a moment, everyone who was looking on thought He was a failure. And now he sits on the throne of God. These people that we talked about today, the ones considered heroes, there's two things about them. In this culture, they would be canceled today. They had screwed up so much that they wouldn't be given a second chance. They were ordinary, inadequate sinners that God used mightily, which is good news for you and me. And the second thing is they didn't receive an earthly reward. Here's what the writer said at the end of chapter 11. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, 
since God had planned, listen to this, something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. See, we have more reason for faith. We have more reasons to hold on to our faith than the heroes of our faith ever did. We understand and know what they didn't know, that Jesus went to a cross for our sins and shed his blood on our behalf. See, when you trust God by faith in your life, you find out more about God than you could ever imagine, and you find out more about you. If you really have faith that God will come through, because what you believe is how you will live. And God has an invitation for you today. Are you going to walk by faith and believe in him? Or have you decided to live by fear and buy into the lie of what the world is showing you right now? I have decided to live my life compelled by faith and not by fear. And faith, it's not wrapped up in an idea or a concept. It's not in a cure or a vaccination, although that would be awesome. But faith is to be grounded in God himself. It is always founded on what God is going to do, not on what you have done, are planning, are hope for. And so I want to invite you to live a life compelled by faith and not by fear. I ask you this week to pray a simple prayer of faith. Lord, help me believe you are in all things. Increase my faith today so I will be faithful to you tomorrow. Maybe you just pray, God, whatever you want from me, my answer is yes. I love that. God, whatever you want from me, my answer is yes. And my answer is yes, not in words, but in my actions. And you will have to decide to live a life compelled by faith and not by fear. For without faith, let me remind you, it is impossible to please God. Would you pray with me? God, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for those of faith that have gone before us. Thank you for their example. Thank you that you are a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances and you cancel no one. That you tell us that all of us have sinned and, and have fallen short of your standard of living and many maybe watching today just feel like, yeah, I'm that person. I am inadequate. I have been uh, living for, by fear and not by faith. God, I wanna, I wanna pray right now that you would just, just speak to them that you would move in their hearts and in their minds. And, and God, would they just pray that prayer? God, whatever you have for me, my answer is yes. And that it wouldn't just be words, but we would be activated in our faith. That God, we believe, <laughs> just like that guy on the pump, that, that God, it really works. That when we live by faith, you show up. You are waiting for us, God, to activate our faith so you can show yourself faithful. So I pray over our church today. I pray for anyone that's watching that does not know you and have a relationship with you. Today, they could receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, that in their hearts right now, they just could say, Lord Jesus, I believe. I understand that you came in, into this world. You died on a cross for my sins. I, in this moment, choose to believe by faith that you are the Son of God and that you died for me. And by their confession of faith, right now in this moment, God, that they say, I believe in you, that their life will be changed and transformed. For all of us, may we understand that that is a life of faith, not a life of fear, that we are controlled by the Spirit of God that now dwells within us to live differently and to walk worthy of your calling. 
So today, may we realize once again that it is impossible without faith to please you. But God, you are with us and you are for us. And may we be activated to do what you want to do through us. Thanks for Friends Church. Thanks for this season, God, where you're refining and defining who we are for a future. Thank you for the love and care we're going to have for our community and our neighbor and the people that do not know you yet. May we be a great example to them that they actually would want to be introduced, God, to your son, Jesus Christ. And may we be the conduit to make that happen. So give us wisdom. Give us discernment on our next steps. God, would you help all of us to continue to walk by faith and not by fear this week. And whatever you ask, that we would just stand up and say, yes, God, I'm all in. We love you, we thank you, and we praise your name. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.